You smell that, Max? I think I do, Driz. I think I smell it. Folks, that is the smell of freshly cut grass because FSU football's fall camp starts this coming Wednesday, and we are officially 33 days away from kickoff against the fighting David Duquesnes. All that and more on today's edition of Locked on Seminoles. You are Locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today I'm joined by Mr. Maximus Mudicus, a.k.a. Max Moody, a.k.a. the best girl dad that I know. Max, what's up, my guy? Dude, it's a good day, man. It is Tuesday as the people are listening to this, which means Florida State football's team is Florida State's football team is reporting to fall camp. They'll start practicing tomorrow. And dude, it's that time of year where uh the song Homegrown by uh by uh uh sorry, I've had COVID. My brain is totally blank, but one of my favorite is the Zach Brown band. Um oh <laughs> where Homegrown by Zach Brown band goes from depressing to exciting, you know, because that that's the game day intro song for those of you that don't know. Um, oh, you know when really? that song, yeah, I, I got some good friends. That, that's a good you know, song, okay. um, when that song comes on the playlist, like in March, it's just depressing. It's like ah, but when that song comes on, dude, and it's July, and it's like the mornings are not. Are, it's still hot, but it's a little crisp. It's not like a June morning where it's already you know it's already baking you in. It's oh, I'm excited, brother. I mean, nothing beats that song. I actually didn't know that was because, folks, as you can tell, yeah. I'm not the big country music guy. But <laughs> before we get into that, folks, thank you guys so much for making Locked On Seminoles your first listen each and every single day. And Max, as you said before, the fall camp starts tomorrow, Wednesday. So actually, we're 32 days away. I forgot that we're dropping this on Tuesday. So let's just go, go right off the rip. Uh, fall camp last year, we had Mackenzie Milne and Jordan Travis somewhat battling, even though and kind of, you know, you were in the camp that JT kind of earned that right from last year. And then we saw further down the road where basically Mackenzie Millen probably wasn't a legitimate option even going into camp or even throughout camp. So I kind yeah. of want to ask you, how do you think this fall camp will be a little bit different with JT? And will, will we be able to actually make the improvements that people actually want to see him making for this coming season? Well, Drake, I'm going to give the haters what they want. I mean, we got to start off with, is he going to stay healthy? You know, that that was the issue last year was Jordan Travis allegedly, apparently, was not healthy for all of fall camp. So there was a battle going in and, uh, you know, he just wasn't, uh, again, according to everyone you talk to now, um, available enough to really cement himself as the starter, even though he ended up starting the Notre Dame game. Uh, he, he apparently missed quite a bit of camp, and that's why, you know, going into Jacksonville State, there was obviously some question about who the starter should be. And um, I think this is going to be, I think it's going to be the first time that Jordan Travis has ever gone into a fall camp uh, as unquestionably the starter. And I think we're going to see what kind of quarterback that makes him. And how do you, I guess, think that would actually help someone like JT? Because like you said, like you just said, he hasn't been the number one option, whether at Louisville, whether his first year here when James Blackman was here, second year, and then even the third year where basically that's some rando because Mackenzie Millen, when he was fully healthy, was was people had as a dark high, dark dark horse Heisman candidate. He actually, was on projected draft boards. Like, what do you actually think will do this for him actually going into camp? It, it just depends on the kind of kid you are, right? Like for me, I was uh, I was a, I was a pretty darn good wrestler uh, for for you know my own right. I wasn't amazing, but 
um, I, I was pretty solid and it didn't matter who the other kid was. Like if it was a sophomore or whatever, um, I hated having to wrestle off. I like, which is, you know, in wrestling, you actually have a match internally to decide who wrestles that weight class. It could be a kid. I knew I was going to pin into two seconds. Every time I did it in practice every day, I always performed my best. I practiced my best when I knew I was just focusing on preparing for what was ahead against the other teams. I hated internal competition. Um, not in the way of like, I criticized McKenzie for it. Like I was going to give someone my spot. I sure as hell wasn't going to do that. I just, I never liked that added wrinkle in the back of my head. It was like, dude, I want to focus on the kids. I know I'm facing this weekend. I want to focus on making weight. I don't want to have to have that other thing of, Oh, by the way, Thursday, I'm going to have to, you know, we're going to have to have this decision point of who's like going to be the starter. Tailg- it's like that person tailgating you like on the highway. Where it, it's like, exactly. Back and forth. Like, it's like go around or, you know, yep. do something. And, and I never shied away from it, but you know, you add, you add to it, like in football, it's even different because there's no wrestle off. You're just waiting on the coach to tell you if you're the starter. And I, I think that if Jordan Travis is anything like I was, which I wasn't a D one athlete, so he might not be, I got to imagine it just takes that little bit off of him and lets him focus on what he needs to focus on to beat LSU rather than trying to beat someone else out for his position and then beat LSU. And not only that, it also helps him probably focus a little bit more on basically establishing a chemistry with a, I think Winston Wright will probably be not fully available, but probably be actually, you know, running certain certain routes, basically out there getting a little bit more adjusted. But for someone like a Micah Pittman, a Johnny Wilson, or even Deuce Span, too, that we see him developing, that he'll be able to put a uh, create uh, build a rapport actually with those wide receivers because this is possibly the best wide receiver room that I think JT has had since he actually has gotten on campus. Well, let me ask you this though, you know, a point that I I, I thought of while I was saying getting to focus on being LSU. Um, how much different do you think it makes the preparation for the Duquesne game? Right, knowing that the Duquesne game can now be a dress rehearsal for LSU versus like, oh, Duquesne's going to be some sort of live scrimmage where I'm going to have to compete against someone for my starting spot instead of just going out and beating this team by 60 points and, you know, practicing some of the stuff we want to implement. I think since Mike Norvell lost Jacksonville State, I, think, I don't think he's earned the right to treat any team type of, type of game as like a live scrimmage. But I do get the point where basically... Or, or I mean I, a live scrimmage between two quarterbacks. Like if there were another quarterback competing for the starting job, mm-hmm. like how I'm saying how Jordan views the Duquesne game. Um, that's probably true. Probably Jordan probably will go out there and like I mean, he was the one that saved us two years ago from the Jacksonville State, just basically pushing it off from a year. So I do actually probably see this more as him preparing actually overall to basically like, okay, let's sort of, you know, get our feet wet going into and into next week. Because also I think one of the goals for this game is not only to see kind of what you have on offense with the wide receivers, but I think it's also something where you need to see what you have actually with maybe AJ Duffy or even Tate Rotomaker going into year number three, where you actually kind of you kind of hope he solidifies that backup spot. But in my personal opinion, I think AJ Duffy probably will be seen as the probably the QB two, probably post a second bye week. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Sorry, I'm having some camera difficulties here. Oh no, that's I mean that's fine. You know, you deal with those camera difficulties, and then we'll talk about our friends over at Built.com with the delicious Built bars. As you folks know, Max is the Brigadier General, the Peanut Butter Brownie Brigade. Dave is the Cookie Dough con- Cookie Connoisseur, and your boy is the Cherry Barcia Casanova. But you know, there are 16 delicious flavors to choose from. Besides those other three, you also get the puffs. The puffs are delicious. I actually have a bunch of the churro, the s'mores, and the Cookie Dough Chunk, and they are delicious. So head over to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. That's Lock 15, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5, and you'll get a 15% bonus off of your order. Once again, head over to Built.com, and folks, 
let's get healthy together. Uh, we're back once again with your favorite Florida State Seminoles daily podcast. And Max, overall from fall camp, we always kind of have expectations going into it. Dave and I kind of already discussed it with our hot, hot take segment. We'll get your thoughts, you know, towards the end of today's show. I kind of want to ask, like, what do you expect? Let's start with the offense first. What do you kind of want to hear or expect to see from this offense throughout the entirety of fall camp from start to finish? So I think that Cam McDonald has become the David Cutcliffe of the Florida State Seminoles. And what I mean by that is that we talked a lot, I think a year or two ago, when we had some Duke guys on to talk about the Duke game about David Cutcliffe, their head coach, being a victim of his own success, right? He was really the only thing good to ever happen to Duke football ever since Steve Spurrier left. And because of that, like, he kind of got himself forcibly retired when he stopped being as good as he was because Duke's expectations got higher. I think Cam McDonald was the only good player on this team for like an entire year at one point, or at least consistently. And I think now he's going to be a really good pass-catching tight end. Is he a good run blocker? No, but does this offense ask the tight ends to do a ton of hand-in-the-dirt run blocking? No, they ask them to do a lot of H-back motion blocking. They ask them to do a lot of squat backs, you know, downhill gap type stuff. You see a lot of uh, cap blocking, which is center and tackle blocking when the guard pulls out and you'll see him in a squat back come and fill that. And that sets up a lot of plays like I broke it down on film last year, got removed for copyright reasons, where a few of those were, when I say squat back, by the way, I'm talking about when he... Cam McDonald's literally squatting in the backfield, kind of letting himself get lost behind the tackle. A few of those on the counter, he's blocking. Next thing you know, he runs a screen out of there. Now, we watched the spring, and Cam McDonald didn't look like he who shall not be named from the Florida Gators, right? He wasn't Kyle Pitts. And there was sort of this narrative that started as a whisper and developed into just a basic fact of the zeitgeist that... Cam McDonald isn't worth anything anymore because he hasn't taken a step forward. And yeah, he hasn't taken a huge step forward, but he's still a four-star tight end. He was still your second leading touchdown catcher last year. He was still one of the best guys to block for you out in space on screen passes. And I just think Cam McDonald is someone that we really should stop looking at through such a disrespectful lens as as the media because I've done it myself. And I think he's going to be a very serviceable tight end this year, frankly. And I kind of agree with it, too. And I've also been one of those people alongside with you, basically, who are critical of Cam McDonald. And I think it's more the fact that Cam McDonald actually is a very good player. And I wouldn't be surprised that he's probably, after this season, going to be one of the few players invited to the Combine and probably will test out very well. And you'll see a late flyer kind of round pick on him. I think the fan base and the media themselves actually un- unfairly, I guess, puts the entire tight end rooms, like Miss Woes and basically lack of depth, on the shoulders of Cam McDonald, basically. And basically, when no one else performs and basically came down probably the easiest one to kind of point out to like why rector and Preston Daniel were initially walk-ons like that's kind of just the truth of the matter there. So you can't really can't point to them because you know what that is. But then when the entirety of the room kind of uh, doesn't perform and is very lackluster, you're going to go over to the head, the main man, the, 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 the head honcho and that's Cam McDonald. So I kind of agree with you with it right there. Yeah. I mean, the reality is right. Last year he had 24 receptions for 243 yards, right? Like, that's 10.1 yards of reception. That's a pretty good receiving tight end. I, I don't have it pulled up where that would rank nationally, but I'm sure I could, I'll track it down for you guys at some point. I, I apologize. I'm building my stats model for the fall and I, I haven't weirdly enough gotten national positions linked in there. You guys it's, don't care about that. It's, it's pretty dope folks. Just the, right. Up. The, the, the point is he, you're talking about a guy with 10.1 yards per reception and we're criticizing him because he's not a different type of tight end than he is. It's not, 
it's not his job to be multiple types of tight ends. It's the staff's job to recruit and keep the room populated with multiple types of tight ends. He's a receiving tight end. He's a guy, again, that'll block on a screen pass. Remember the play, one of his touchdowns where he got the screen pass like 12 yards out and just ran everyone over on his way into the end zone? That's what he gives you. He's not a hand-in-the-dirt guy, but we hold that against him. That's not his fault. That's the staff's fault for not recruiting someone like another Jordan Wilson and not finding a valid valid replacement for a Jordan Wilson in the transfer portal this spring. And that's when we all ask here, Chris Thompson, what exactly is it that you do here? What would you say you do here? I mean, besides the look. I mean, it gives a heck of a mean mean mug. But anyway, that's that's what I'm going to most look for in, in fall camp to, to round out the question. And folks, if you get the reference, please drop the movie down below. But no, I, I mean, I completely agree with that because basically, I mean, with Cam and Don, it's like we, you're right. I think we ask him to do so much different things where basically the things that we do ask him to do are pretty good. And we can't hold the failings of basically his business as a coach and also the recruiting overall kind of on his shoulders. So now I kind of ask, what do you want to see from the defense? Or when we start, what do you want to hear from the defense coming out of fall camp? Well, I want to see it because I uh, actually do plan to be there a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to try to spend a few days in Tallahassee, and, and y'all have met our uh, y'all have met our correspondent Hunter, who will be on the show later this week. Who uh, he, he's going to be on the ground there when fall camp starts as well, getting getting some insights for us, checking in on the strength and conditioning program, all that. Uh, I, I, I want to hear how legit this DB room is. Um, I want to know were they you know, a flash in the pan towards the end of the year last year, or did that translate into off-season workouts, player-led practices, spring practice, more player-led practices, and fall camp? Because I think that we saw some really good things from them during the spring game, and um, I think that in the spring game, they were going against, again, um, a Jordan Travis who was very much trying to uh, trying to make sure he was only throwing, not really using his legs, so they weren't seeing the full offense. I think that when you divide this receiving room, which we'll admit isn't that strong, but is a lot stronger than last year, into two separate teams. The floor is higher, I think. Right, right. The floor is higher. You're not always getting the A team, right? And the B team isn't great at all. So I'm interested to see like one-on-one, ones on the ones, and then ones on the twos. Is this DB room legit or... Is it just the best of what was a pretty average defense last year? Yeah, I can kind of agree with that. I know uh, Dave and myself will be talking about the defensive backs, whether that was a net positive, stay the same, because we still can't figure out a word for kind of the middle, or <laughs> was it a net regression kind of from last year? And I, I mean, spoiler alert, I think it'll be a net positive primarily because you see the inverts of a Amarion Cooper as well as Kevin Knowles, too. Like, those are kids that are going to be great. And also with, I mean, Azaria Thomas is already basically was getting all these rave reviews in spring, so I'm actually very excited to see them. And then me personally, I'm excited probably most to see the linebacking play. And basically, I see how Kalen Deloach and Tatum Bethune basically will be your two starting linebackers. I think Amari Gainer will be relegated to the uh, to more of the reserve role and maybe also the pass rushing defensive end role, basically, which I think he's more of a fit there because uh, coverage-wise, he did improve last year, but he still isn't probably one you kind of want to put out there on, on an island at all. But to me, I think with Kalen Deloach and Tatum Bethune, those are the two that I kind of want to see. And then before we know, we go over to kind of the hot takes, and then I'll give you mine and days from about a few weeks ago. I want to ask you, this will be kind of now in the opposite direction. What is something that if you hear basically coming out of fall camp or you see out of, you see in fall camp that will be kind of a cause of concern for you heading into the season? I mean, knock on wood, and literally anything that's good luck, run around, spin around, whatever, whatever the various the various no, no, good no luck Jordan, things are. No Jordan Travis injury. That's no, no. I, I was gonna oh. say I I do not want to hear 
anything about some some O-line injuries. I mean, I want a healthy O-line. Um, I think that what'll what'll really make me concerned is if I hear too many good things about the D-line. Because here's what I see happening with the narrative so far, Driz. I think that we have a very, very good D-line. I mean, I just want to point out, since we started Knowles Anonymous two years ago now, crazy it's been that long, we were on the Fabian Lovett hype, hype train. Last year, I was the conductor of the Fabian Lovett hype, hype train. I am so convinced that Fabian Lovett and Robert Cooper and those guys are going to do great things in the trenches this year. I think that you've got a pretty solid pieces. Uh, excuse me. You have some pretty solid pieces on the edge, right? You've got Jared Verse. You've got Dennis Briggs. But what I don't want, I don't want the narrative of those guys being good to make it so we start overselling them and ignoring what is actually a deficiency of the O-line. Like if I start hearing that Jared Verse is in Jordan Travis's face every single play, Jared Verse played two years of community college, basically. I know Albany's technically not a community college, but it's essentially like it's it's a tiny little school. I'm sure he's a great athlete. I've heard nothing but good things. This is no disrespect to Jared Verse. I'm just saying that I don't want to hear that he's beating all of our offensive tackles every single play, and that being spun is like, oh, but it's just it's just because him and Dennis Briggs are so great because they're not that great. Like we don't have an All American D line at all four positions. So like. If I'm hearing too many good things about the D-line, I'm going to get pretty nervous about the O-line. So basically, we're, I will say me and Dave were kind of, you know, number backed by how Marvin Wilson and Corey Dern were coming in as two, I guess, of the top four or top five uh, defensive tackles in the AC heading of the year. And then we saw what they were basically, and they were basically nowhere near that. I can agree with you on that. Mine, I, I think it's going to probably be played off a little bit more for where you were at um, with the defensive backs. And I don't want to hear... And I will be a little more cautious, kind of how you're with the defensive line with defensive backs if they're locking down these receivers, primarily right. because this defensive back room is extremely young. And I mm -hmm. do think that Micah Pittman does have sort of the uh, you saw it in spring camp. He has the uh, the bulldog mentality, as you said, the, the baby Debo, as you know, we're going to call him on here. And basically with him, Johnny Wilson, too, if he's able to beat them, he should, because quite frankly, they're older and they're bigger and. I mean, you've seen Johnny Wilson, man. That dude can run yeah. fast, and the dude's tall as hell, high points, everything. So if I hear sort of a back and forth of fighting-wise, that actually will be probably a great sign for me. But if I hear the defensive backs are locking them down, like, you know, basically every single practice, this will be more a concern for also that, well, maybe this wide receiver room isn't as going to be as, I guess, productive as we kind of have seen or we kind of need to take the next step forward this season to probably seven, maybe even eight wins as I think the team actually can't cheat. Yes, yeah, the spring game paradox, right? It's like everything good that happens for your team is also happening against your team. So it is, uh, yeah, no, it's very true. And, and in fact, when you mentioned the Robert Cooper, or I'm sorry, not the Robert Cooper, um, uh, when you mentioned those those two guys that we had in the middle between um, Corey Durden and uh, Big Marv, you kind of think back to that summer and remember what we were hearing about the O-line where it was like, hey, this O-line's actually looking pretty good. That's exactly what I'm referring to. People were like, actually, we're looking decent on the O-line. I mean, they're, you know, they're getting some blocks there. And then we turn out, it's like, oh yeah, because our interior D-line is just absolutely atrocious despite having the physical talents and the record and the stats of all Americans. They just decided not to play this year. So yeah. 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 I mean, that was, the, that was the rough year on both of them too, basically just overall. But I mean, Hey, that's kind of what happens basically when you have a huge turnover. And also I think both of them, I think Durden had like offseason surgery and I know Marv had the, the knee thing and the hand thing. And then I think some other stuff too as well, but 
yeah, I mean, that was kind of basically kind of a fool's gold kind of offseason right there. And now, Max, we're going to wrap up today's show. And I know you are a fan of hot takes. The and the hotter, the better, even though you're not big of a spicy food kind of guy. But uh, let's see how high we can get with this. So basically, from a few weeks ago, we had the folks kind of chime in themselves. Dave had his his. I think Dave had it basically that the team will lead, I guess, the conference and turnovers, be top five, top ten in the country with turnovers. My hot take, actually, on the offense was that Jordan Travis will accumulate 3,250 total, yard, total yards, basically, with 2,750 being passing yards. And also that Adam Fuller will lead his team to a top 10 defense. So now the floor is yours. Take your time. What is going to be your hot takes? And folks, as always, put your fo- put your hot takes down in the comments below because, you know, we love engaging with you all. And we'll read them off of the, uh, on the next episode because you're not as you right now. Max probably hearing Jordan Travis take from me is probably uh he's probably yeah, I'm, 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 looking, I'm looking something up. So I mean like here's the reality, right? Jordan Travis threw 194 times last year, right? I think McKenzie Milton, I actually don't have him qualify on here, but I think it was 136. That, that's probably just because that makes a round number, but it, it was around that, right? So our team threw about 330 passes. If Jordan Travis throws the ball 330 times at his average yards per passing attempt of 7.9, that would give him 2607. That's assuming he nothing improves. He just gets all the passing attempts. Now, he'd have to stay a little healthier. And why do I say a little healthier to almost double his passing attempts? Because not all of those passing attempts given to McKenzie were because Travis was injured. A, a decent amount of them were, but one of them was because of the flu game, which I think we uh, it's not our news to share, but it's been talked about why Jordan Travis had some stuff literally going on last year that uh, – you know, that caused that that game to be missed. So we don't expect that to happen this game. Uh, we I also think that the staff was intentionally cautious with him last year when they put McKenzie in. Uh, you saw the helmet come off. They left him in longer than he needed to be left in. Things like that that I don't think will happen again. So, um, I, dude, I just really wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Travis is a 3,000-yard passer this year. I mean, it, that's not my hot take, by the way. That's just mathematics. That's me saying if he throws the ball as many times as this team threw the ball with, by the way, piss poor wide receivers in God awful offensive line play. He would already be throwing for 2,600. So all I need him to do is to improve from last year to this year, less than he improved from the year before to last year. And he's going to hit 2,600 yards. So I think 3000 yards for him is realistic. My hot take is that I think you're going to have at least three receivers with five touchdown catches last year. You only had one. And it was Ontario Wilson. I think this year you're going to have three. I think it's going to be Micah Pittman. Agreed. I think Keyshawn Helton is going to be a surprise guy in the slot. And I think Ja'Kai Douglas is going to catch at least five touchdown passes from various spots on the field. And you might have somebody like Malik McLean that gets a few red zone, but those are my three. I think it's three little guys. I think it's three speedsters. And you may say, Max, why is it all that? Why, why is it all the kind of slot guys that maybe are a little shiftier? Well, that's because we finally have the body diversity to have big threats on the edges and open up the middle of the field for these guys. I mean, right now we've seen it. How much of a threat is Ja'Kai Douglas running the wheel route? Pretty, pretty solid. Okay. Give me a guy who's six foot four and do span. Who's fast as crap, who I'm not saying he can catch, but he's got five catches in his whole career. Three of them are touchdowns and one got to the two yard line. I don't need him to do that. Put do span on the left side as a decoy running that four, three, four, four speed and then let Ja'Kai Douglas run a wheel route and see how much more open he is, right? He's already getting open with no threat on the other side. And then do the same thing for Keyshawn Helton. Put Malik McLean on one side, put Johnny Wilson on the other side, 
and then give me in an 11 personnel, right, a tight end with Cam McDonald on the left side. Now you've got two guys at 6'5 on the left side. you got a guy at 6'7 on the right side on the outside. What's that going to let Keyshawn Helton do in the slot? Do that on the 10-yard line. The safety's going to have to go one way or the other to one of the big guys, and you've got Keyshawn in the end zone. So I think the body diversity this year is going to let you get three receivers with at least five touchdown catches. I don't know why, but I love the phrase body diversity. It kind of really hits home for me. Um, I do want to ask with those three people that you, uh, three players that you picked, is that taking into account basically Winston Wright? I'm assuming for you is not going to be. I am not counting Winston Wright until I know he's healthy, to be honest. Um, That's no information I know. That's not saying he's not going to be. I just, for me personally, I'm going to wait till I see because I don't want to. I'm not saying y'all are wrong to do it. Just for me personally, I'm like, I'm just going to assume we don't have him until we do. I mean, that's perfectly, perfectly fair. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that you kind of left out, not left out, but like, I think it's kind of telling how you feel by, by leaving out not only Ontario Wilson, but also Malik McClain basically being kind of your higher, I guess, targeted players. I'm assuming that you think they're going to take a lesser role this year. Well, you got to remember, Drake, last year, our number one receiver for touchdowns was Ontario Wilson with five. Yeah. Our second place only had two. So those guys, I still could see having two, three, four touchdowns. I'm just saying, I think we have at least three with five. And those are my three most likely to get five. I'd love to see five guys with five. Oh no, now, no, 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 no! I'm just saying, like you, like the, those. Are the no, no, I don't think I don't think they'll yet. back down at targets at all. I mean, I just think that if we have three guys with five, we'd be that'd be a lot of target consolidation from last year. But there'd still be room for those guys, the other guys you mentioned, to have just as many catches as they did last year. Oh, that's perfectly fair. I just think it's more. I think I, I see Ontario Wilson being used a lot more than Keyshawn by. I mean, Keyshawn, and we've been big fans of him here, and we'd always say that basically that Keyshawn Helton would be the great, great wide receiver three at any other school. Now, with offense offense done, give me your defense hot take real quick. Dude, honestly, I don't really have one. Um, you got to have at least one. I had I Adam really, Fuller I, as a top 10 defense. You know, yeah, how, hard, you know well, how much that hurt me I to mean, say on, on camera? It's on YouTube now. It's out yeah, there Yeah, yeah. I mean... Dude, I think Tatum Bethune could be an all. I've got two. I've got one that goes each way because I just like to upset the people. Um, I'll give you two. I think Tatum Bethune's an All-American this year. If he had 105 tackles at UCF, uh, yeah, it's UCF. But if that game can translate and he can have another 100, you have 105 tackles at FSU as a linebacker. To me, you're pushing for an All-American spot. Uh, Number two is I think that people are going to be disappointed by Jared Verse, not because of how he plays. I think that people will be disappointed by Jared Verse because it is his first of two years and he's coming from the FCS level. Jermaine Johnson went to community college first. Then he went to Georgia, the best defensive player producing factory college football has seen in three decades. That is where Jermaine Johnson came from, playing in the hardest conference college football has ever seen seen that's not where jared verse came from is the natural athletic ability there yes is the chippiness there yes is the go get go getting after it you know he's pushing guys he's talking crap all that is that there absolutely but we're comparing him to a guy that went to the place that makes bugattis and maybe they just didn't slap the logo on it right they, they changed the logo out but it was still made the same way they make the bugatti Right, we're comparing that to the best thing uh, Fiat has ever made. Now, could that win a couple races? Absolutely. Fiat knows how to make an engine, but it's going to take some time with him. So, I think we'll be disappointed by Jared Verse 
because we will be so expectant of him to pop from moment number one. And I think he's a two-year developing player where not next, not this year, but the next year, he'll do some pretty amazing things. And there will be flashes this year, but it will not be Jermaine Johnson 2.0. And that's why I've always said that I don't think Jared Verse will start actually for FSU on the defense until maybe the third or fourth game, primarily because the jump from the FCS level to the Power Five is a lot to ask for. And also, I think you, myself, and Dave had always said, this kid is not Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson is probably going to be one of the most special players to actually ever come here. The way he did in one year, I probably would have put in the top five for every you know Seminole ever actually has come through here. The, the instant impact, basically the, come, the culture changing. And then also, he kind of seems basically being a first-round pick from being a bench warmer last year on, on basically, like you said, probably one of the best defenses that we've ever seen. So, I mean, yep. I got nothing else to add to that. Max, you want you have anything else to say to the folks before we, say, before we uh, get them out of here? No, I mean, look, I, 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 I'll say what everyone else has said. If if Georgia had a a, a, a whatever a, a looking glass to see into the future, they would have dropped a massive bag on Jermaine Johnson, not let him leave. Um, that maybe, was maybe gave him one of the guys or something. Seriously, um, yeah, seriously. I mean, I they would. they they would not have let him leave. And now they still won a national championship, so they weren't hurting for him too much. But they they wouldn't have taken the risk of letting him go. Um, that was a special situation. That being said, I. Uh, I think the the biggest hot take is that we should all be very excited for this football season. Um, We're not going to win a national championship, but I think that this will be the first season in a while where we will be happy more often than we are sad. And that is something I haven't been able to say about Florida State football literally in years. So very much looking forward to it. And also, I think with this football season, we'll know exactly where we stand, not only along the college football landscape, but in the ACC. And we'll finally actually get a full answer on what we have with Coach Mike Norvell and the staff. But, folks, that's all our time for today. Please, if you can, don't forget five-star reviews, you know, our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever we get the podcast from. And, Max, let the folks know what to do on YouTube. Oh, guys, when you're on – or girls, of course – When you're on YouTube, you're going to want to make sure you subscribe to the channel. You're going to want to make sure you hit the bell. That way you get notifications when we drop the episodes at 7 a.m. Eastern time. If you're up earlier and you're on Central Mountain or Pacific, well, you are in luck. And make sure you like the individual video. And if you're at it, if you're already down there hitting the thumbs up, drop us a little comment. Tell us what your hot take for the season is and uh, tell us what you liked about this video or what you want to hear on future videos. Because always, folks, we get to do this each and every single day with your love and support, and we thank each and every single one of you. That being said, this was Drake, that was Max, and we'll see you all next time on Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Tagline. Can I say something? It's Turbo Time. That's a good movie, actually.